Welcome to Terrible, the podcast where two friends discuss true crime stories in hopes to prepare themselves for life's most terrible things. Quick disclaimer, the following podcast will include graphic and explicit content. Our goal is to respect victims and their families. We do not want to sensationalize crimes or glorify criminals. We are not experts. We want to tell these stories in order to learn from them and make sure victims and the families are not forgotten. I'm Renee, a longtime true crime enthusiast. Marie, on the other hand, has recently delved into all that is true crime. We both believe that once you watch or listen to your first case, there's no going back. So let's do this. Just before we get started, we do want to mention that we have a merch store. There's lots of great stuff on there, so if you guys want to check it out and support the show, you can go on Etsy and look us up at Terrible True Crime. The last thing is that it really, really helps when you guys rate and review the show or leave a comment wherever you listen. All right, let's get into some updates. So I was going to spend my entire update section complaining about how expensive everything is right now. Doing groceries used to be like somewhat fun. Now it's like painful and like mm. just like really upsetting. It's like you, so, you look for the sales, you look for like the no name brand and so much no name brand yeah. is in our household. Not that like I didn't do that before. Like, I always looked for sales before, but like now even no name stuff, you're like, really? Like that's how expensive it is? Ugh, crazy, which is fine but i was coming on here to say my summer is going to be so expensive but then i realized it's also because i decided to do all these fun things (laughs) yeah if you want to live your life and have fun it's expensive so i can't really complain but we just bought tickets to go to the stampede and go to a bunch of concerts that's so fun yeah it's my first year so i'm excited there's also a drag brunch going to the stampede with a bunch of drag queens from rupaul's drag race and i bought tickets and oh my god i'm so jealous that's gonna be so good i know i'm so wow and excited so that's gonna be really fun and then we did like another set of concert tickets for a weekend festival i know a little bit of traveling going to ottawa vancouver i guess it'll be worth it in a way yeah it's worth it so they're paying for the memories exactly and i think i'm done like booking everything officially Mm -hmm. so now it's just okay well at least you know kind of like what to expect in your spending if you have it all like scheduled and figured out so it makes it a bit better but yeah things are really expensive Mm -hmm. lately and the only other thing i wanted to say is that we're planning a pride episode Yay, happy Pride Month! It's June. <laughs> so, if you guys have any case suggestions, I'm super open to it. So, you can message us on Instagram or on our socials, anywhere you can find us. You can write us an email. I will probably be picking a case by. You know, by the time episode 26 airs, I'll probably have already picked a case and we're on episode 25. So get those suggestions in and I'll make sure to to look at them. And we're really excited for our Pride episode. So on my end for updates, I've been really sick for the past week. I'm finally getting over it. I feel alive. I don't think I felt that much sinus pressure in like a long time. I thought my head was going to explode, but I feel so much better now. But during that week, I swear life was testing me. I've been trying to be the best dog mom that I can, but oh my God, my dogs (laughs) have not been giving it to me easy lately. Tucker's had a hot spot for about a month now and it's still not healed and it's absolutely disgusting like I refuse to show a picture to anyone unless they really want to see it because it's so gross I've had to be like a little nurse for Tucker and wrap his leg every day with honey so if you guys don't yeah if you guys don't know Manuka honey or like medical grade honey it helps draw out the bacteria and like draw out the bad stuff yeah so I didn't know that so I literally went to the vet and he was like wrap it with honey and then change it every day I'm like 
okay? And You're it's like, fine. I don't have to pay hundreds of dollars for cream. I could just I go was to like, the okay, local where, farmer's market. That's the thing. I was like, where do I buy this honey? And he's like, just go to the store and get honey. I'm like, okay, okay. He's like, or Amazon has like actual medical honey, but you could just use regular. I'm like, perfect. So I'm still working on that. Been like three weeks since I first went to the vet for it. And now I went back and I have to wrap it for two more weeks and see if it heals. Um, And then while that was happening, Zoe chewed on my laptop charger, barely made a dent in it. I caught her within like 10 seconds of chewing on it. And then I noticed that it wasn't charging my laptop anymore. So it broke. (laughs) Apple chargers are like $100. So there's no way I was paying that for little devil Zoe. So Amazon so far so good. Just got like a $40 charger. Oh, mine is full Amazon too right now. (laughs) Oh my God. On that same note, my boyfriend replaced the battery in my laptop. Same thing. It would have been like $100 at the Apple store. He ordered a battery on Amazon, opened up my laptop, shoved the new battery in, and now I can actually write my case without being like stuck on an outlet. (laughs) I swear, Amazon is the best for those kinds of things. As long as you don't get like a faulty one and you actually get Mm -hmm. it. A good one. And then I had to be uh, um, a dog sitter this weekend too, to a overly hyper big dog. Like she's like a big dog, but only super big because she has the longest legs ever. Like I swear she's like a model dog. She's like crazy. And she wants to play with Zoe and Zoe wants to play with her. And they obviously have like the biggest size difference. Like, and so she would, and she likes to play with her paws. So she would like squish Zoe because she's like trying to play with her, or, like run around. They both have the zoomies and obviously she would like catch up to Zoe in two seconds. So my life lately has just been revolving around my dogs and it's been, it's been a rough one. Yeah. animals are chaos they are full (laughs) full chaos yeah 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 (laughs) ollie our dog and our cat finally like discovered each other really but now the problem is like they are absolutely not leaving each other alone (laughs) so if if one if the cat's not bothering the dog the dog's bothering the cat and then all we hear are like cat screams (laughs) and but she's but she won't leave him alone yeah and it's just we've had to put like gates up in in the house to try to separate them mm-hmm. but like cut out cat size <laughs> so she could come and leave as she pleases yes so I we're not it. stuck like constantly like basically breaking up a sibling fight <laughs> oh my god animals are it. chaos <laughs> oh my god, speaking of animal siblings tucker i swear he secretly loves zoe now <laughs> secretly because um the dog that we were babysitting her name is parker and she would run after zoe and when zoe was like oh my god i'm actually scared tucker would bark at her like would bark at parker oh, and so cute yeah and i was like oh my god he loves zoe he's trying to like be there for her oh it like melted my heart oh it's really cute yeah The sources for this week's case are an Ottawa Magazine article by Michael Lista, a CBC News article, an article from Canadian Crimopedia. There's also an excerpt from an obituary, another article from CBC News by Lisa Zing, and then uh, an article from mcleans.ca by Anne Kingston. I also listened to an episode of the Detectives podcast by CTV News. It was episode two. Our case starts early December in 2016 in Vaughan, Ontario. A couple is walking along the Humber River in Kleinberg when they notice a suitcase that's half submerged in the water. The man thought it was strange and he called the police. The police ask anyone who saw or knows anything about the suitcase to come forward with information. There was tags on the suitcase and the tags had a name and address. The name on the tags was Alana Frick. Let me tell you a bit about Alana. 
Alana was born August 17th of 1976. Her parents' names are Joe and Anna Frick. The couple were Croatian immigrants who lived in Windsor, Ontario. Alana is described as an overachiever. She practiced Croatian dancing. She had a good sense of humor and a lot of ambition. She was a long-distance runner and had caramel hair and high cheekbones and blue eyes. In high school, she did very well in math and science, so nothing like me. (laughs) (laughs) And she decided she wanted to become a doctor. She also wrote poems, like, okay, wow, literally does it all. Yeah. Yeah. She's athletic, artistic, and, like, book smart. In high school and during her undergrad, which she took at the University of Windsor, she had a consistent boyfriend. In 1999, she was beginning to achieve her dreams. She began medical school at the University of Ottawa. The relationship she was in became long distance which is hard and not for everyone, especially with the added pressure of medical school, I can't imagine. They eventually got engaged, but then would later break up. In 2003, Alana met her future husband. He was a neurosurgery resident named Mohammed Shamji. Alana was playing pool in the rec room at the Ottawa hospital. When Mohammed, who is referred to often as Mo, walked up to her and he asked her to go for a drink. She agreed and the two went out. It's reported that Alana took the relationship seriously. She was basically in love right off the bat. Especially like dating someone in your field, let alone a neurosurgeon. Like when you think of Grey's Anatomy, it's like, wow, you're so smart to be a neurosurgeon. And then it sounds like the perfect little, like they're just looking at, they're in the rec room where the doctors go and chill after a hard day Mm -hmm. or between patients and they just like lock eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can visualize it. I really can. So she takes it pretty seriously. Like I said, she is, you know, I'm not going to say she was in love right off the bat, but she's into it. But Mohammed, on the other hand, didn't take it as seriously just at first. He was actually still seeing a woman that he met in med school while he was dating Alana. Okay, let let me tell you a bit about Mohammed. So he was good at school. He graduated from Ashbury College and then went to Yale, where he completed a master's in organic chemistry. He then went to Queen's Medical School. He is described as shy, reserved, thin, and kind of a little awkward. Alana did put in a lot of effort right at the beginning, but Mohammed seemed to kind of take a step back. He hadn't even attended her medical school graduation. He said he was sick, but later she heard that he'd gone out with some friends, Ugh. which ugh, is the worst. Oh, I That's hate so that. sad. I know. That's like next level. I don't care about you whatsoever. Yes. That's like, I don't have to tell you. I'm literally showing you that <laughs> yeah. I couldn't care less. It's so rude. Especially when you like, you feel like you're in an actual relationship with someone. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to share those moments of your life with them. And like, what an accomplishment. Like, maybe that was not a big deal for him, but like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he should, like, he should understand how much work it takes to be a doctor and graduation. He should be proud yeah. of her. So during this time, Alana broke up with Mohammed twice within the first year, but both times he seemed to persuade her to come back. In 2004, Alana took Mohammed home to Windsor for Easter weekend. I don't think Mama Anna and Papa Joe were big fans of him since it's reported he was kind of antisocial and not participating in games or movie watching. The kind of normal things, like if you have a partner that's out of town and you go visit their mm-hmm. parents, like you know this. Mm-hmm. like. You, you're, you're, spe- you're committing to spending the entire time with them. Yeah, and you have to kind of put in more effort than you would just on the regular because you don't see them often, so you have to make it worth it. Exactly. Which, to be honest, I hate playing games. Like, 
I'm that person that hates playing card games, board games. I hate games. I don't know why. I think it's because I'm a sore loser, but I would still do it. Like if you're visiting oh, yeah. your partner's family, like you do whatever they want to do. Like Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like you just sit there and yeah. like whatever, you have a drink and you play the games and you watch yeah. the movie and it's one weekend out of your life, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. So I can't imagine this would enrage me especially if you're close with your family which it seems like alana was it's kind of like hello like at least respect my parents enough to try to act like you care if yeah if you if you you didn't enjoy your time we can talk about this later but as of right now you're acting like you care Mm-hmm. During this visit, Alana's mom walked into a fight that the couple was having. Alana was crying, and she brushed it off. A few months later, Alana would find out that she was pregnant. I don't think this was a planned pregnancy, since it's reported that Muhammad was instantly concerned about his own parents. His parents were of the Muslim faith, and would have wanted him to marry within the faith. Not to mention, and this is again just thought that was probably going through his head, that this was a baby that was had or conceived out of wedlock which we don't care about but it is important to some families some cultures and definitely in some religions so to kind of fix this he figured i'll ask her to marry me and that's what he did the couple had two different ceremonies which i think this is actually pretty sweet they had a traditional islami wedding and then a catholic wedding afterwards after the weddings their daughter was born and this is when mohammed's controlling behavior would really begin One of the first instances known to others was reported in the Ottawa magazine, and this is a direct quote. A few weeks after the baby was born, Mohammed's parents, grandfather, uncle, and aunt came to visit. Alana was surprised. Alana was upstairs breastfeeding when the family arrived. This infuriated Mohammed, who thought it was Alana's duties to greet her guests at the front door as a gesture of deference and respect. Later, Alana would tell her mom that she felt she had to walk on eggshells in her own house. She told her mom about the breastfeeding slash hosting situation and went on to tell Anna that Mohammed pushed her. Not only had he pushed her, but he actually tried to choke her. Oh. Because that makes total sense. She's a brand new mom trying to breastfeed her probably very fussy and exhausted and she's exhausted baby Mm -hmm. with an inch of privacy and doesn't even know that her in-laws or, you know, other side of the family is supposed to get there, but she's in the wrong. Like enraging and i i can't even imagine feeling like you have to walk on eggshells in your own house like that's supposed to be your comfort area your safe space your safe space yeah and you're kind of thinking like well i don't know i feel like if, if i was in this scenario i'd kind of be thinking like oh shit like i just married this guy and had his baby like yeah yeah i don't know because i feel like in most domestic violence situations which is what we're talking about today there are cracks where you start to see the real person and i feel like this was just like a huge crack where she's probably like what am i supposed to do now well don't they say oftentimes you find out more once you're stuck with the person then they feel like okay i can finally like just be myself and yeah definitely like like commitment like like marriage or having a child that can definitely escalate some of those behaviors for Mm -hmm. sure anna alana's mom became more and more worried She began calling her every day just to make sure her daughter was safe. This mom is just so amazing. And I did, after I finished writing my notes, watch a Crime Beat episode with her in it. And uh, just the way she talks. Anyway, this mom is amazing. And she obviously was just like, you know, like was her daughter's like best friend and like was really there for her during this time. It's really nice. And I can't imagine how she was feeling knowing all the information that Alana was telling her and just not knowing what was going to happen once she hung up the phone, you know? Yeah. 
and you're so helpless as a friend or family member when that person doesn't want to leave and mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do other than just kind of be like a lending ear and maybe offer resources but that's well we'll get him we'll get more into that later because of this alana kept most things about her relationship to herself mo began to escalate his behavior and picked on alana about her appearance and weight like the worst again she's literally just birthed your child and like look at his face in here like you're (laughs) so gross like he married up Uh uh-huh big time (laughs) like sir relax like okay you're a doctor so is she i know but no this entire case everything i read he had a sense of superiority yeah and that was just it he was better could you imagine if he had married not a doctor like Oh my god. He probably never would have, realistically. Ugh, I can't even imagine that. This is another instance mentioned in the Auto Magazine article. About a month after the baby was born, Mohammed called Alana's parents in January of 2005. Her dad picked up the phone and he heard Mohammed say, Mr. Frick, Mr. Frick, Alana wants a divorce. Alana took the phone from him and told her dad not to worry. She said, Dad, it's nothing. And that was it. Weird. Yeah, just super weird. Again, I think it's a control thing, trying to get the parents stressed or worried that she's going through a separation, like kind of making it seem like putting some blame back on her, like she's the one who wants a divorce. Right. I I don't know. This has to be some sort of control tactic. Not long after that, Alana's parents get another phone call. They couldn't answer this phone call in time, but apparently they dial star 69 and reconnect with the missed caller, which... I didn't know you could do this. I didn't know that was a thing either. <laughs> <laughs> but the call was from Alana and Mohammed, and they listened, and they heard Mohammed scream at their daughter, you effing bitch. Oh, God, should I say that? <laughs> <laughs> what do we think only fucking is the bad word? <laughs> oh, God. Guys, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm nervous. This case is stressing me out. Okay. They listened and heard Mohammed scream, you effing B. You stupid effing B. Could you imagine hearing oh. your son-in-law talk to your daughter that way? But I don't get how that works. So you okay. dial star 69 and then all of a sudden you can hear what the person like is saying on the other lo- like No. What? I no, I don't think so. But <laughs> this is my question. Auto magazine, where did you get this information? Because I couldn't find it anywhere else. But also they seem like a very legitimate source. Like they have mm. a lot of really good information. What I'm thinking could happen is that someone had their phone in their hand, dialed the parents, hung up, parents called back, and they pick up. And right. then this is what they're hearing in the background. It's what I'm assuming. I feel like that's the only happened. thing that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, they don't like automatically get a lot. Yeah, I was like, like shit. That's probably how I made it sound, but <laughs> you're like, this is listening to me. <laughs> yeah, so awful. I can't imagine. If mm. that was my daughter, oh man, I'd be getting in that car and driving <laughs> from Windsor to wherever they are at this point. In the spring of 2005, the family was planning a move to North Carolina. Mohammed was accepted to attend the biomedical engineering program for his PhD at Duke University. Alana decided to take her master's program in public policy. They planned to move in the fall, just in time for school to begin. But in May of 2005, Alana reported that Mohammed had attacked her. He hit her and split her lip. She took the baby and ran to a friend's house. He had threatened her and their child. Mohammed was calling around looking for them. After this assault, Alana's father, Joe, went to live with her for a while. Alana told her mom that Mohammed said basically it would be her word against his. But 
Mohammed was faced with three criminal charges, one of assault against Alana and two of uttering bodily threats. Thank goodness. Especially when a baby is involved too at the same time, you're not only worried for yourself, but for your baby who can't defend themselves whatsoever. Yeah, this is an extremely scary situation. And like, not to say like that abusers look a certain mm-hmm. way, but when you look at his picture, like he just like doesn't strike you as someone that would have this type of reaction or that would, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know, to me, like, and like I said, not that <laughs> abusers look a certain way. It's just like important to listen to the warning signs in your friends and family because this is scary and it's escalating quickly. Like we're not moving a ton of time. Mm-hmm. It's reported that Muhammad's biggest concern was his medical license. <laughs> you can't like surprised. Yeah, no, not surprised at all. But you can't be like a doctor and doing these type of things. No, <laughs> no, you shouldn't be a regular, just normal human and doing these type of things. Forget like I would be so mad if he was doing surgery on me or something and like knowing this information about him oh my god well that's the thing keep in mind that this man has operated on several people yeah he's a freaking neurosurgeon you're supposed to trust these people a few weeks later alana and her family baptized their baby in a church in windsor mohammed did not attend a few months later the family reunited the couple decided to try and make things work I think Alana's parents were both kind of reluctant to support this, but like I said, there's not a whole lot you can do. You know, Alana's an adult and she can make her own decisions and... She seems too kind. She does. I can't imagine the pressure of having a newborn baby and just like trying so hard to make things work. Just being like, he's going to change. This is going to work. This is who I married. I made a commitment. I had a child with this person. Like that probably holds like so much more weight than we both can understand at this point. Yeah. And especially if she had just recently given birth, you're raising a newborn baby, all of these emotions, hormones. I'm sure there's like so much, so many emotions going through her head. In July, the crown agreed to withdraw the criminal charges against Mohammed. Why? So instead, they had him enter a peace bond. So he basically gets probation. They agree on a 12-month probation, which is the condition of the peace bond from what I understand. Alana's mom said that her daughter signed the peace bond. She did this because she would do anything and everything to make her husband and her family happy. Mm. Because of this, Mohammed was able to travel to the States and start school. Because if he had had criminal charges, like that would have severely interfered with his upcoming studies. Alana and Baby met them there a few months later. I think it was becoming common knowledge at this point that this was not the healthiest relationship. In North Carolina, the couple seemed to be doing better. They started running marathons together, their daughter started daycare, and they both had their studies and obviously excelled. In 2007, they had another baby. I mean, it's sad the whole way through, but it's sad because there's an ending to this. It's Mm -hmm. not going to, it's not going to be fun. Also, do they not do background checks for doctors? Yeah. Like, why are you hiring a doctor that's on probation for assault? Like, that's a good question. Like, maybe probation after 12 months, it's not officially on your record. Like, he was never convicted of a crime. And you know, when you filled out those like job applications in high school for like those part time jobs, it would say, Have you been convicted? Right. I just wanted like, (laughs) <laughs> makes me so mad for audio listeners i was punching this screen, you know <laughs> it seems like alana ran the show in this house in a sense because she took care of everything she did the cooking cleaning the shopping home maintenance and all while basically running marathons and doing her own studies wonder woman better woman than i'll ever be mm-hmm. <laughs> and she still appeared to kind of worship mohammed 
She always, you know, held him on a pedestal and thought he was so smart and just superior. It's reported that she did everything for him. When she would go out, he would try to call her constantly, which is such a sign of domestic abuse. If you have a fr- I'm, I'm going to pepper this through the entire case, but if you have a friend whose boyfriend cannot stop calling her when you're on a girl's night, that is a red flag. That's not him being jealous or being cute. or be- No, that's a red flag. During this time, her classmates often found her crying. She would say things like, My relationship isn't what people think it is. On social media, they looked like a happy, loving couple. However, even in this aspect, he was still super controlling. He controlled what she posted and how many friends or who she friended or all of that kind of thing. And he, he literally had to like approve her posts. That's so gross. And like, yeah. I can totally understand how everyone would think that they're the perfect couple because like two doctors, they both are interested in the same hobbies, like running marathons mm-hmm. together, things like that. And he's controlling everything that she posts. He's obviously not going to let her post anything that makes him look bad. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. If you guys go to our Instagram feed, you'll be able to see all the pictures and our latest posts and it, you'll see like they look like a happy, loving mm-hmm. couple. They really do. And this is a lesson, children. Social media is fake. Fake, <laughs> and, fake, fake. <laughs> and actually, Alana would even call it fake book because Facebook was the biggest thing around Stop. that time. Stop. Yes. I love that. <laughs> because fake she would book. literally say that, like, what's on my feed is fake. Like, it's fake book. <gasps> I've never heard that. I'm obsessed. Oh, girl. <laughs> girl. The control that Muhammad had over Alana reached the children as well. He would decide who their children were allowed to play with. And he would, like, basically pick and choose to the kids who, like, lived up to his standards. <laughs> Children. Oh, God. Kids. Oh, <laughs> my God. I'm going to take a huge sip of whatever. Oh, I hate that. Okay. He criticized her parenting, which I'm not a parent, but I think would make me so mad. Especially and- if you're doing everything. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. You know? Like, you're the only one doing anything, mm-hmm. but he's still criticizing. Mm-hmm. Ugh. He would call her stupid and useless, and he would say things like, I should have left you, and I would have been better off without you. And again, this is all from the Ottawa Citizen article. I'm really hoping, and I'm assuming, that they interviewed a lot of friends and family to put Mm. all this together. In 2011, Mohammed went to Calgary for a year to complete his fellowship at Foothills Medical Center. Alana and the two kids moved to Ottawa during this time to live closer to Alana's parents. Wait, I think it's important to say that his specialty is spinal surgery. Wait, I don't know if it was okay, so I... Read so yes, it's in my notes. I read in one article that his specialty was spinal surgery, but then I was like, wait, neurosurgeon, spinal surgeon, like are those connected? Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. Okay. Yeah. So perhaps his specialty was spinal surgery. Anyone who has like spinal issues, oh, that's just so sad. They're so vulnerable in this man. Oh, I cannot, you guys. I cannot. It's like a total sidebar. But have you seen the Doctor Death series? Oh, oh, oh. oh no. <laughs> I oh, think it's no. on Amazon Prime, and it's basically a spinal surgeon that like just continues to botch spinal Spa. surgeries. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It is messed up. I will send oh you a God. link. We want to trust doctors so much. Yeah. And we should. We should. This podcast shouldn't teach us and everyone listening to not trust anyone. No, but it's it's kind of good. Don't good. trust them. Don't trust them. <laughs> Frig. <laughs> um, okay. Go on, Renee. Okay. While Alana and the kids were in Ottawa, 
Alana's mom, Anna, describes this as the happiest time. Everyone felt free, everyone felt happy, you know, there was no more walking on eggshells. But Mohammed, while he was in Calgary, began having an affair with a colleague. Boo. Ugh. <laughs> like, <laughs> the worst type of human being. Like, I don't even know how to... He, he just does it all. He does he, all the yeah. shitty things you can do to someone. He's just really trying to figure out how much Alana can bear as a human being, obviously, because this is just out of control. Yes. Like, no remorse, probably. Like, no, like, awareness. Or, like, maybe, but he just doesn't care. He straight up does not care. No sense of caring whatsoever. Like, for his kids, for Alana, no one. Alana figured this out by finding emails and looking at his credit card statements. She confronted him, and he just... Fully admits it. He's like, yeah, I was doing that. This is an no cares in the world. Yeah. Yes, no cares in the world. Obviously, this is super upsetting for Alana. She's put everything into making this marriage work, even though it's not a happy one. Not for her, at least. Like, she's basically being tortured and bullied and she's being abused. She's being abused mm-hmm. at this point, you know, like straight up. So, mm-hmm. but it's reported that she felt she had already invested so much into the relationship. Mohammed agreed to end his extramarital relationship. He agreed. Oh my God. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing that for me. (laughs) Mohammed then took a job as a surgeon on the neurosurgical team at Toronto Western's hospital. Alana at this point had her own practice, but she gave it up to meet Mohammed with their children in Toronto, and the couple bought a house in North York. While in Toronto, they had another baby in 2013. Three babies, yeah. And then Alana began working at a walking clinic. Which is God's work. Doctors that work in walk-in clinics. Yes. Because yes. people are just coming in with strep throat UTIs. <laughs> and like <laughs> no one wants to be a family doctor. STDs. No, like and walk-in clinics are even worse than a family doctor because it's so literally true. someone who's like, I need treatment right now. It's like, randos, yeah. <laughs> bunch of randos. <laughs> On top of the walk-in clinic, in 2015, she began working at the Scarborough Hospital's family medicine unit. She also, on top of that, took a job as a delegate for the Ontario Medical Association. Again, just superwoman. In March of 2016, the family was planning a ski trip to Vermont. They passed through Ottawa for this. And again, this was an account stated in the Ottawa magazine. They passed through Ottawa to drop off their son, which I think is their youngest child, at Mohammed's parents' house. That night, Mohammed calls the Frick, so he calls Anna and Joe from Ottawa. He tells them that Alana had cut her right palm and she was in the hospital having surgery. Just randomly. Mm. Alana told her parents that she had done this by accident, slamming a glass down on the counter and shattering it. I don't believe it. Because she had also told someone else that she'd cut her hand while chopping vegetables. And then she had told somebody else that Glass had broken while she was doing dishes. So she's covering for him. Alana, like, you're my girl right now, but stick to the same story. But maybe this was a cry for (laughs) help. Yes, this is a cry for help for sure. It's like read between the lines kind of thing, right? I think so. Yeah, I think so. The couple decided to continue on to Vermont. During this trip, they began arguing about Mohammed's affair. He again started choking her, and she decided not to report him to the Vermont police. So, like, this is, like, escalating behavior, I feel like. And, like, 
I'm sorry, but if we're married and my partner has an affair, I agree that if I decide to take him back at some point, I do need to get over it. But like your partner needs to be extra understanding when sometimes mm-hmm. if you become insecure that you need reassurance mm-hmm. and not like an argument over it because you can't hold it over your partner's head. But there needs to be a certain level of like understanding from that partner. Like I'm taking you back, but I need your support through this too. Yeah, like agreed. During the summer of that year, the kids were with their grandparents in Ottawa and the couple had July off together. They did appear happy during this time on their social media. One of Alana's posts wrote the following. My dearest Mo, I love you with all my heart. 12 years, three children, four cities, two countries and a lifetime of memories. I can't wait for the next 50 years. During the fall, Alana considered divorce. She was worried that Muhammad was cheating again. Again, cheating creates insecurities, which creates paranoia. So don't cheat. <laughs> Leave relationships. Yes. Because that messes people up. Thankfully, it seems like at this point, she's kind of detaching from the relationship because she would go on to have her own affair. Get it, girl. Like, go, I'm girl. so sick of Mohammed and his crap that I don't care. And she's struggling and she's trapped and she's trying to find an ounce of happiness in her mm. life. And I'm glad that she found someone that she felt like she could connect with mm-hmm. during the time. She's probably felt so lonely for so many years. Yeah. And it's probably like an easier way out for her, like knowing that she'll have like someone's support it's or always easier mm-hmm. like if you're gonna leave a relationship if you think well no i don't say always but it's nice to know that like there'll be someone interested in mm-hmm. you or that there's possibility of a new relationship whether it's with that person or not that just like people are gonna want to be with you yeah maybe for sure you know? by the end of the fall she confided in a lawyer that muhammad had been assaulting her she also began telling some close friends about her decision to file for divorce some of these people were really worried about her safety Alana was sure that Muhammad would never do anything to ruin his career. And she had had enough. I think she wanted a better life for her and a better life for her kids. In November, she was officially done. Her lawyer served Muhammad with divorce papers. The lawyer wrote to him stating that, Alana's preference is to attempt to resolve all issues amicably and expeditiously. This letter also notified Muhammad that Alana required full financial disclosure. In late November and early December, Alana was telling her mom a lot about, you know, what was going on with the divorce, what her plans were, and Alana's mom, Anna, was really concerned. Alana was convinced that, again, he wouldn't do something to ruin his career. During a specific phone call one evening, Alana was kind of brushing Anna off, telling her everything would be fine. Mom's intuition, Anna, was kind of like, you know, I'll call you tomorrow and we'll talk then. I'm sure she was still calling her really often and checking in on her, you know, for years at this point. Mm -hmm. That night, Alana's phone made one more call to 611. It's now speculated that she was trying to dial 911. The next morning, on December 1st, no one could get a hold of Alana. Her family tried to contact her all day, but there was no response. Meanwhile, she didn't show up for work. And Mohammed, he goes to work and drops the kids off at school, daycare, wherever they need to be. That day, he also calls a divorce lawyer. He leaves the divorce lawyer just kind of like a quick voicemail. By the time the evening comes, Anna is freaking out. She can't get a hold of her daughter and she knows something is wrong. She calls a woman named Allison, who is Alana's neighbor and former boss. Allison agrees to go look into the family garage and she notices that Alana's car is still there. Allison reports back to the Fricks and they decide to call the police for a wellness check. Officers arrive, and in the home, there is Mohammed and the three kids. They do a search, but don't find anything. Mohammed's story was that Alana had packed a suitcase and left to be with her boyfriend. 
as long as parents, the all-stars that they are, are thinking, like, hell no, this is not right. They jump in the car and they drive all night to Toronto. Knowing what you've told me about Alana up till now, I feel like there's no way she would just leave her kids with him. Oh, no way. You know what I mean? Like, no. When the Fricks arrive, it's basically morning, and Anna gets to work right away making breakfast for the kids, which is such, like, a grandma, like, Mm -hmm. sweet move. And uh, as they're kind of getting there, Mohammed's on the phone. He's upstairs, and he finally, I guess, notices that his in-laws are there, and he walks down the stairs and says, so you're the ones who called the police. And Anna says, you know, Mo, it's sad your wife's missing. The mother of your children is missing right now. And you didn't even report her missing. You know, aren't you concerned about what happened to her? Like, mm-hmm. hello, this is not normal behavior. And he basically says, like, I told you last night, so I guess they had talked on the phone at some point. You know, she's with her boyfriend, so why would I be concerned? And that's kind of how that situation kinds of ends. I, I read somewhere that he actually ate on his breakfast, which is <laughs> so rude. Like What? <laughs> like she made breakfast for the kids and he was like, is there some extra? Because like, I'm hungry. Oh my. <laughs> like, you're just dis- disgusting human being, but whatever. And so now we're like in the afternoon, okay? On the day that where we started this case, the suitcase is discovered. The last day of November is the last day she talks to her mom on the phone. The next day is December 1st. December 1st, no one can get a hold of her. The Fricks get in their car, drive all night. December 2nd, here we are. So a couple is walking along the river. They see a suitcase half submerged in the water and the police are called. I have to say, like, whoever called the police was for sure into true crime because there's just, yeah. like, that sketch. I'm calling the police. Uh-huh. I feel like this case is about to go downhill right now. Yeah. So one of the officers that arrives starts to investigate the suitcase. And inside of it, they find a body. The combination of the name on the suitcase and the missing persons report that had been filed by Anna Frick make it kind of easy or easier for them to identify Alana's body. She had died of manual asphyxiation and blunt force trauma. Her body was contorted so that she could fit in the suitcase. Alana was in her PJs and her hair had been sliced off. That detail is so disgusting to me. She had been beaten so severely that she was almost unrecognizable. Her parents, Joe and Anna, had to identify her by a picture that was taken of her, which is Imagine. Mm, so oh. traumatizing, so awful. Anna wastes no time to point fingers at Mohammed, and I'm assuming she was not the only one. Mm-hmm. Officers clear the boyfriend and focus on Mohammed. They put surveillance on him. They also question the kids. The eldest daughter was just 11 years old at the time. She had heard her mom screaming that night. She was really scared. And when it got quiet, she walked into their parents' bedroom. She saw her dad kneeling over something on the other side of the bed. And Mohammed tells his daughter to go back to bed. In this moment, she didn't know what she had walked into. But she she Mm -hmm. talks in the Crime Beat episode and she now fully knows. Which is... How old is she in the Crime Beat episode? I would say preteens, like she's probably okay. like 13, 14, if I had to guess. Okay. Oh my maybe God. older, maybe 15. The daughter doesn't admit this to investigations right off the bat because obviously she's scared and like she basically yeah. has one parent left at this point. Well, and but... you're like super young. You don't really connect the dots. Like you don't really think dad's going to kill mom. Like... No, obviously not. That's That doesn't happen. Well, it, it shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. On December 2nd of 2016, Mohammed is arrested. He is charged with first-degree murder and committing an indignity to human remains. People were shocked. They were not expecting Mohammed to ever do something like this. Although I'm sure those that were close to Alana mm-hmm. were, were not shocked. Yeah. 
The, the ones in the inner circle. I mean, for sure shocked, obviously, but yeah. just, they're like, yeah, he did this. Like, mm-hmm. he for sure did this. No questions, yeah. So Mohammed committed murder. He murdered his wife while the, his three kids were sleeping in the family home. He then stuffed his wife's body in a suitcase and drove 35 kilometers. I can't, I can't even north think. Of, I'm sorry. North of Toronto and dumped her body and the suitcase in the Humber River. He dumped this in like a super shallow area of the river. So like, you're not good at this. Like, you're, like, this is who this is. Like, the next day he goes to work, like I said, like nothing's wrong. And just I, hate, continues I on. hate these cases. They're all like that. Oh my God. They just go Makes back to his work. kids breakfast, drops him off at daycare. He goes back to work. Oh man. Like how oh, can man. you function? Aren't you shitting your pants of being yeah, like, seriously? What? Like what? Seriously. No, he thought, because his whole life has thought he's superior and better right. than everyone. He thinks he's getting away with this. I'm sure he thinks he's getting away with this. Alana's funeral was held on December 17th at St. Francis, the Windsor Church, where she was baptized, confirmed, and married. Alana's obituary is available online, and it's long and it's very sweet, but um, we don't have time to go through all of it, so I'll just have Mackie read like a special little excerpt from it. And we'll link it in the description below if you do want to read all of it. As a bright and inspiring leader, Alana was very active and instrumental in many efforts to improve and make a difference in our healthcare system. Alana will be forever remembered as a gifted doctor, colleague, healthcare advocate, teacher, runner, and trusted friend. But most importantly, she will be remembered for being the very proud mother to her three beautiful children. Oh, this is tough. This is a tough case. I like yes. full body chills. Thankfully, in 2016, Mohammed pleaded guilty to second degree murder. The Can guilty we also pl- just say, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, I assume this is straight from the article and it says Dr. Mohammed. I know, Andy. no thanks. I'm like, let's no not call him a doctor, please. And thank yeah. you. He's yeah. a despicable human being. Thank you. Yeah, okay. No, that title gets uh, like officially. Yeah, removed. like not even for murder, for just abusing your wife. That title like, should get removed. Especially, why are you giving him that respect of calling him a doctor when that's literally what he cared most about in the world? Yeah. So, like, he would want to be recognized as a doctor? No, thanks. Yeah. Goodbye. And obviously, I could have read this entire case being like Dr. Alana Frick, but I mean, like, mm. we, we all know she's a doctor. We all yeah. know she's extremely smart. She's extremely special. I didn't feel like adding that on top of everything because I think I made it pretty clear that she was a pretty amazing doctor in mm-hmm. person. Um, but yeah, he definitely doesn't deserve that respect. No. That's for sure. Which is why I said Mohammed pleaded mm-hmm. guilty yeah. to second degree murder and not do- yes. So yeah, so he pleads guilty to second degree murder. So the plea that he does carries out an automatic life sentence with no parole eligibility for 10 years. He does this right before jury selection. So I think the idea or the pressure that was going behind him pleading guilty to second degree murder instead of going on trial for first degree murder was that his eldest daughter would be the most important witnesses in the case. So if he had not pleaded guilty, his daughter would have had to get up on the stand and testify against him. Which but didn't he plead guilty to first degree murder? It's a plea deal. He says, I'll spare you guys a trial and I'll spare my daughter. Like, I'm obviously just saying mm-hmm. what I think happened, but I'll spare you guys a trial and I'll spare my daughter the pain of getting having to get on the stand and testify against her own father by pleading guilty, but I'll only plead guilty to second degree murder because it's like less time before you're eligible for parole. Like, I don't feel like better about this situation because you wanted to save your daughter. I'm so glad that the daughter did not mm-hmm. have to testify, but like no way does that make you a hero in this. No. 
No. I feel like that was his, as the person is, yeah, it was like using his daughter as an excuse, not because he cares. It was a total bargaining chip, I think, from his side of things, because the crown basically, like, they accept the guilty plea, but most of it is to spare the eldest daughter from having to being, like, re-traumatized by testifying. Mm -hmm. Do you want to hear what he said? Yes. So during his sentencing, he says, Your Honor, I killed my wife. There are no words to express the remorse and shame that I have. He then looks at his children, and I'm not sure if all of them were present at this point, but he says, I have devastated your lives, and I have hurt you immeasurably. I can only say how sorry I am, and I hope the memory of your mother will help you be brave and supportive of each other as you navigate the horrible circumstances that I have created for you. I don't know how I have created such pain and anguish. I reflect back at that night. I should have killed myself and not Alana. That would have been the only justice. So again, I don't feel bad for you. No. I'm, I'm, I hope that maybe some of those words brought like some, some type of something to your children, but I feel nothing. And it's like we say all the time in these types of cases where it's like, it's like you lose both parents at the same time. So your kids are literally just out there and like, don't know what to do with themselves. Yeah. Yeah. But thankfully, Joe and Anna are now raising them. So, and there are clips of them as a family in the Crime Beat episode if you do want to watch it. We'll also link that in our description. I just didn't like take too many notes from that, so I didn't put it in our in our case sources, but um it is definitely sweet to see the kids with their grandparents and they they do seem to be doing fairly well. All right, let me talk about some domestic violence. So, this Please. is from <laughs> This is from the Alberta Council of Women Shelters, the ACWS, okay, from their website. Abuse and violence in a relationship can build over time or it happens in an instant. There are many different types of domestic violence. Coercive controlling violence is defined as a pattern of behavior used by one person to gain and maintain power and control over another. It may be physical, but physical force is often not the first form of abuse that an abuser will use. Abuse or violence may not immediately be apparent to others outside of the abusive relationship. So here are some signs that would indicate that someone is experiencing abuse. The person is unusually sad, lonely, fearful, or exhausted. They are having a difficult time concentrating. They are fearful of leaving work. They are getting upsetting and frequent phone calls. There is maybe some use of alcohol and drugs to cope. They are isolating themselves and withdrawing from other social interactions. They are regularly late for work. They are suffering from anxiety. There's the obvious kind of physical abuse, you know, the bruises, red marks, all that stuff. And one is sexual assault or rape, which is not going to be evident to others, but that's an important one to mention. This website also lists signs to look out for abusers. So I thought this was interesting. Like the first list was kind of like if you are friends or if you know, if love someone or your family member of someone going through this that you can look out for. But abusers have families. So why don't we all be proactive and look out for signs for abusers too, just because they're friends mm-hmm. or family doesn't mean they can't be doing this to someone else. Yeah. And doesn't mean they get a free pass, nope. you know? So <laughs> no, let's not make excuses. Too. For, exactly. Yeah, not make excuses for garbage people. So some of these examples include a disregard for the welfare of children, physically harming family pets, Emotional, psychological, and verbal abuse towards others. Increased hostility towards other friends or family. Withdrawal of emotional or financial support. And confinement attempts to control or cut off friendships or family ties. 
Okay, now you're probably thinking, here I am, I'm worried about a family member, what should I do if I think someone is being abused? If someone is not immediately in danger and calling 911 doesn't really make a ton of sense, it's hard to know what to do. A Canadian Women's Foundation survey indicated that one in six people in Canada are very confident that they would know how to support a person experiencing sexual or emotional abuse, and one in five are very confident they would know what to say or do to support a person experiencing physical abuse. This to me is still pretty high. If someone tells you that they are experiencing abuse, here are some starting points for offering them support. Focus on the person being hurt. Your job is to support them and make sure that you're not putting your anger, shock, or sadness, or fear first in the conversation. They're coming to you and they're confiding in you and your job at this point is just to support them. Remember that everyone copes with abuse differently. They may do things differently than you and that's okay. It is hard to think, why is this person going back to their abuser? But again, we've never been in that type of situation or maybe you have, but maybe the situation is different. Listen and let them lead. Instead of telling them what you would do or what they should do, ask them, how can I best support you? Be judgment-free. This can be hard for a lot of people, but instead of saying, why don't you do this? Why would you do this? Why don't you just leave? Say, it's not your fault. I'm here for you. How are you doing right now? Be patient and open-minded. Abusive relationships are complicated and scary, confusing, and traumatic. Figuring things out takes a lot of time, so don't push. You can also refer them to a lot of support services. If you, you know, you just like in your area, you're saying, I'm in Toronto. You can do a quick Google and say, help for surviving or help trying to get out of or, or, or whatever, help supporting someone in a domestic abuse situation. We've also discussed safety plans before. That is a really good way to make sure that your loved one has a plan if stuff goes badly. And I think it's important to re-mention, I know we talked about it before, but when someone decides to leave a relationship is when they're at their most vulnerable. So that's when they're going to need the most support. Thank you for that, Renee. I think that's all like super, super important. And I think it's always needed to be mentioned because like we said earlier, an abuser does not really have a specific face, a specific job. Like we said, like a doctor, you would never straight up think, oh, he could be abusing his partner. Oh, it's just so sad that people have to go through this. Definitely. And we've started kind of a, a resource like story saved on our Instagram. So we'll be putting some resources in there. The safety plans are there for now, but we'll be adding other things as time goes on. And, you know, when we started this podcast, we were like, okay, this, but it needs to be more. We need to do more. And that's why every week we donate. And this week, we'll donate to CanadianWomen.org. This is from their website. We are Canada's public foundation for gender equality. The Canadian Women's Foundation is a national leader in the movement for gender equality in Canada. Through funding, research, advocacy, and knowledge sharing, we work to achieve systemic change. We support women, girls, and gender diverse people to move out of violence, out of poverty, and into confidence and leadership. Since 1991, our partners and donors have contributed more than $150 million to fund over 2,500 life-transforming programs throughout the country. If you would like to contribute to Canadian Women, the link to donate will be in our description and Instagram and TikTok bio. As always, pictures for this case will be posted on our Instagram, so please follow us at Terrible True Crime. And if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review below. If you have any case suggestions, please send us a message on our socials or email us at terribletruecrime at gmail.com. And I just want to add, if you're in an abusive relationship and you feel like there's absolutely no one you can go to, you can hit us up. Send us a message. Always. Thank you for joining us. And see you next time. Oh.